Hello, besties. How are you tonight? I'm back from a vacation that I took to Charleston to hang out with the people from Southern Hospitality. And I'm telling you, it was one of the best trips that I have had in a while. I will be having a special episode tomorrow with uh, two people that I went with and it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about the whole experience. Um, we ate at different Levas restaurants. We hung out with the cast while they were working at Republic. So for those who are saying that they don't work there, yes, they do. We met all of them. But we also got the opportunity to hang out with them outside of work. We went to brunch. We drank. We we did so many things, but um, we'll be talking about that tomorrow. So mark your, your calendars on Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be uh, having a special Charleston trip about Southern hospitality and all the fun that we have there. But tonight, um, like I said before, I was away for a trip and I needed to watch all the shows that was behind, like Potomac and Family Karma, and then New Jersey came out, and then uh, Van der Pomp's Rule came out, and then we got a new episode of Miami. So why have two episodes when we can just have one super-sized episode this week? Uh, we'll be talking about all the shows. I have thoughts, I have, have opinions, and I hope you guys join the conversation and have all your questions ready, because we are going to be spilling some tea tonight. Uh, and we're going to start with uh, Potomac. Potomac Potomac came to an end on the last episode. And I'm sad because I love my ladies of Potomac. On this episode, we also learned that Ashley is actually getting the house with Michael. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think it's a really bad idea to get a house with somebody who you are divorcing, especially if you haven't talked about payments. Based on what she said, her mortgage is $13,000. That is a lot of money for a mortgage. A month. I know. I mean, my mortgage is... I mean, it's a couple of thousand dollars, but it's not close to 13000 So she better get that thing together because if she's going to be the owner of this home and uh, Mr. Michael decide not to pay the mortgage or whatever, you know, arrangement they have, because I still don't understand what the freaking thing they're doing, um, she better know that she has to come up with that money. But the fact that they haven't even spoken about this to me is very strange. How can you buy a property, which is a big investment, that you want for yourself, yet you haven't asked the question about payments and also you haven't um, realized that having Michael attached to this home, it's quite um, not separating, not divorcing, it's actually uh, a contract, almost like a marriage, a business transaction. 
So I don't understand what Ashley's doing. I hope she's smart enough to put everything on a paper. And she keeps saying that Michael is the one taking care of this whole thing because he had the experience on real estate. But you should be reading the small print, Ashley, because to me, it sounds very dangerous. Like, I don't want to have a Hulu special in the future about Ashley and how uh, she defaulted her mortgage or was or the money was coming from, you know, from uh, unknown sources or stuff like that. Because, I mean, you're getting divorced. You don't want to be associated with this person. You don't know Michael's in- intentions at the end of the day. Um, so I hope she's reading that small print. Another moment that I thought it was quite cute, even though the topic it was not, uh, it was the moment between Giselle and her daughters. You know that I'm not a big Giselle fan, but when it comes to her relationship with her daughters, I think that's the only redeeming quality that Giselle has. Yes, I said it. That's the only redeeming quality she has. They are talking about the surgery that she's having you know, and that she has to get her, her uterus removed, and they're talking about the ovaries, and I'm um, not understanding one thing that they're talking about because I don't have an uterus, I don't have an ovary, and I am too old to remember biology at this point. Um, last time that we have this type of conversation was when I was in high school, probably. Um, I did not go to college for anything related to chemicals or like biology or anything like that. I went to school for filmmaking, so that's what I know and that's what I remember. But they were having this conversation and just the same way that they were confused, you know, her daughters, I was confused too. I was like, I know Giselle is asking what schools are teaching, but at the same time, I don't remember, so I can also question my knowledge on the uterus and the vagina topic. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was kind of cute. I, I just like, I appreciate how Giselle is open with her daughters. I appreciate the conversation that they were having. And if it was up to me and the producers, I will highlight those women more instead of what she does. I'm kind of annoyed with, um, you know, the whole Chris uh, the Chris's um, accusations and the way that she's always ready to, you know, stir the pot for other people and write into somebody's coattail and always kind of plotting to destroy somebody's marriage or career or just showing jealousy. Like when they went to Candace's, you know, video release. And she was just being, in the confessional, she was being so dismissive about it. And like, oh, I don't remember the song. I know there was a song. I didn't pay attention about the video. Uh, I just wish her the best. I mean, it read like jealousy to me. I don't know about you guys. If you have any opinions on this situation, please give me, leave me a comment on my Instagram or Twitter, Martinez with Eddie, or on the comment section here on YouTube. Also, uh, on my podcast. I always read your comments, your reviews. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, at the event, they they confronted Karen and she was not happy about it. She accused, you know, Cherise to always exaggerate the, the truth and... Um, 
I, I I can see why Karen is frustrated with her because it's like the same conversation over and over again and it doesn't feel genuine. Like there's no genuine concern. There's no um there is always an agenda with these women. So I can see why Karen was like, I'm not staying here, I'm leaving, I'm gonna just grab my man and go home because you bitches are too much, you bitches are always trying to cause trouble and not not gonna bother with this. And the fact that Candace grabbed a flower, put it on one of those like little like the robe holder thingy, what the stand, and uh, she's giving a speech. The uh, the editors uh, showed you know the the little uh, icon, the, the little thing with her name, Karen. Uh, I I think that was hysterical. The, I'm thinking the editors and producers deserve a raise. Uh, they deserve the payment because they keep this show moving they keep this show uh, entertaining and always like creative every single time at this party ashley approached candace about talking to chris and kind of try to see where he stands with her or whatever Candace kept calling her friend a Sesame Street character, and I'm hoping to God the Sesame Street is paying her because I completely forgot that they were staying on. Maybe because I don't have kids, I don't watch it, but I completely forgot about Sesame Street, and since Candace has been mentioning it, all I do is always Googling the characters, like Sesame Street better be giving her some cash, like a, a, a royalty check, because Candace is um, Candace is definitely promoting them hardcore with this season, <laughs> and calling Ashley uh, Ashley's friends a Sesame Street character. But um, yeah, Ashley approached her. Candace is not about it. She's like, no, we don't trust you. We don't know what you're gonna say. We don't know what you're gonna, how you're gonna react. And it's true. Every single time that Ashley tries to um, to say something, it, it seems to me like she already has um, something in mind to try to twist the conversation and make sure that um, the other person is either, you know, kind of like the the one that is being malicious or like. She always asks some questions. She likes to produce, you know. She likes to produce the moment. And Candy's like, bitch, no. Like, go away. We don't want to talk to you. And Ashley went ahead and said, like, I'm going. I'm, I don't care. And Chris was very honest about it. He's like, I, I mean, how can I trust you? You were, you were talking about my reputation. You don't understand what you're doing. You are, you know, um, accusing me of stuff that can damage my reputation and personality, um, you know, and, and, and honestly, it was, he knew, Chris knew that Ashley wasn't coming from a place of like, let me try to fix what I said. She was just double dipping her heel on the problem. She was not trying to apologize. You cannot apologize to somebody for what you said and how you affect them if you already come with Shay. 
Aaron, that's right. I, right, I see you right here. I saw you, saw you. Aaron says, Ashley definitely went there to shake Chris. And it's true. The fact that Ashley promoted this um, idea or rumor that Chris was looking at her friend when production ha has been showing that he's not is the funniest thing ever. Because us as viewers know that even though Ashley is trying to make her friend a thing, she wasn't even invited to the reunion. Like, no, 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 no. Nobody wants this person around. We don't want you in the show. You came to play um, this like game of I'm going to cause some drama with Candace so I can uh, somehow make my way into the show. And obviously, Ashley was trying to, to help her make that happen, but it didn't work. Nobody bought it. Not even on sale, not even in clearance. Nobody bought whatever she was saying. Period. Um, yeah, the party. I, I love Kansas's song. I love Insecure. I love the video. It's a great, great step up for Candace. Um, she's getting her music, you know, in places outside the housewife universe. And, you know, we had seen her hanging out at the Grammys parties. Uh, she is, you know, she's breaking records. Uh, she is, um, you know, working with uh, hip hop royalty. So um, I do think that Candace has a future in the music industry. Uh, personally, I believe that she is the housewife with, objectively talking, the best song, Drive Back, um, and with the biggest potential to, to make an impact in the music industry within the housewife universe. Let's not go like all like, yeah, like she's like, I don't know, in the same level as like other big, big singers and stars, but she's making her way up there. She's working really hard and you can tell that she truly appreciates the fact that Chris has been there this whole entire time. When I met Chris at BravoCon, he definitely uh, stayed by her side. They were very gracious uh, I have nothing but great things about uh, to say about them. Great things. They were welcoming. They were very uh, excited to be there. And the same way that I see them on the show when they are talking about Kansas career. So uh, kudos, 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 kudos uh, to Kansas because um, many housewives have tried it. Not that many have made the impact that she is making in the music industry. And yes, we can talk about Candice, but can uh, I mean Candy? Candy is absolutely the icon of you know music on the housewife because she was already established producer when she got on the show. I just think that um, when it comes down to like having. Um, a kind of like a single that came out of the housewife. Candace has that. I believe the hardcore. Like I 
listen to Drive Back at least once a day because it's so good, especially the new version on the deluxe album that she is promoting at that party too that includes Insecure. I feel like I'm just doing a promotion here, but no, I'm not getting paid. This is not like a paid advertisement. I just truly like her music. So if you haven't listened to Drive Back, the live version on her deluxe, go play it because it brings me to BravoCon. That was the version that she performed at BravoCon. Uh, she performed it live to start with. So um, now she had the same version on the deluxe and it's, I, I just love that version. Uh, and to end the episode, Robin finally marries uh, Juan Dixon, but not, uh, not how they were planning to do in Jamaica. They got married in Maryland and thank God, because if they got married in Jamaica, how tacky. Like, how tacky. The fact that they thought that it was okay to plan a wedding the day after somebody else's wedding that they were attending, it, to me, is the tackiest thought ever. So, at least they didn't get married in Jamaica. Uh, they invited her parents who were complaining the whole entire time because they were not going to be invited. And I always thought it was kind of weird. And they do all this like montage and how happy they are and all the struggles. And I'm thinking to myself, we just found out that Juan Dixon actually cheated on her with somebody from Canada that came over when the pandemic um, rules were lifted. And Juan Dixon paid for her hotel. And allegedly, uh, Robin said that it was because he was just being a good person. Sure. The funniest part of that finale, that finale though, I think the producers, once again, and the editors were like, no, we're not going to play this game. We're not going to act like everything is fine. And what they did was, the last shot was... Um, Robin giving the camera the finger as if she was like winning some kind of like, I told you so, I told you so kind of thing. Like I was getting married. I got married. Um, well, right after that, literally right after, the producers and editor, editors added a screen with all the details of Dixon cheating on Robin. Like, no, bitch, you didn't win. No, 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 no. You lied to us. And editors and producers were like, I, uh, we don't like it. We don't like that you lied to us. So we are going to play with you. We're going to play with your ass. We're going to pretend that you're going to end in a happy tone. And we're going to expose your lies. Which, by the way, uh, we all know that um, Robin went to watch what happened live. And things got heated between her and Andy. Andy's not happy. You can tell that he's not happy about the things that um, Robin did, especially charging fans to get her side of the truth or her version or, or, or the tea. And that totally, totally takes away from the whole point of being on a reality TV show. They have a contract, so they show... They show their life 
completely. And if they had any type of information, they needed to share it because that conversation was made during the show was filmed. I think I do have an issue when housewife lie purposely. Like some housewife, um, they they find out after they filmed or something like that. So they try kind of like to come up with something, uh, or they save the information for this following season, but purposely lying, purposely keeping the information, and then, then try to charge fans. Heather Gay, part 2.0, with her black eye in her book, that is not in there, don't buy it. I mean, how embarrassing is that freaking black eye? So it's the same thing with this situation. I mean, you don't do that. Honestly, you do not do that to the fans. I'm not a fan of Robin, but I think uh, what she did was was not right. And Andy has all the right to be upset. And yes, Aaron, I agree with you. Andy's right to be pissed. And I see that you're a Robin fan and... Uh, that's just great. I, 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 like I said before in previous shows, I am the type of person who always welcomes all the fans of all the housewives. We can have the conversation. But I agree with you. You also said, I'm going to put it on the screen. Erin uh, said that Robin, uh, she was a fan and she still is. But uh, it's time to retire and become a friend of. I agree. Because... And I say this this is the reason why. I do not care enough to see Robin pretending to you know to fix her marriage as a storyline. Her whole entire like storyline for the past like seven seasons was her wedding. And we got to that point. And I might be interested to see what happened after. If um, we didn't have the situation that we've been talking about happening, you know. And I would be surprised if Andy actually, well, Andy is, you know, he's not, he's not the casting director, but I'm pretty sure he pushes for Housewife to be cast. So I wouldn't be surprised if Andy's like, yeah, next because if they allow this to happen, it allows other housewives to do the same. And that is against the whole, you know, premises of the show. That's the problem. She went against the premises of a show that she signed up for herself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like it's like signing up for a job and... Just do two out of three chores that you are supposed to be doing when you have to be doing all three to get paid. So with that said, Potomac came to an end. We will be having the reunion after Super Bowl Sunday, which I'm excited about because I love Rihanna and I know she's going to put in a great show. So remember that this Sunday, uh, we don't have Broward Show. We don't have Potomac or Family Karma. 
And talking about family karma, I had the opportunity to interview Bali. So if you haven't listened to that episode, just go find it. It was a really fun um, interview. We talk about all things family karma. If you love family karma, you're going to enjoy that interview because you get to know Bali on a different level, maybe more information that you get about her on the show. She opened up and she did not hold back. So I would recommend you, if you love family karma, go listen to my interview with Bali. On this episode of Family Karma, we see different, you know, drama situation happening. Um, we, we start with Nicholas and Enred and her and his parents, you know, kind of like preparing all the gift bags for the guests. They're going to make a hundred and they're having a good time until, until, uh, Enrit's mom talk about uh, the Gari. That's an event in the Indian uh, culture and traditions that, you know, the bride and the groom do for, you know, their parents, like the day before the wedding. It's kind of like to make the parents feel special, which is a cute idea. But I can see how Nicholas... Uh, can be a little annoyed by it because he feels like the wedding is supposed to be just the two of them. I mean, he he's trying to understand the Indian tradition of getting married. And even Andrew himself has said it, it's very gender-focused. Like, there are events for the bride. There are events for the groom. They obviously, those are not happening because there's no bride. At the same time, though, I feel bad for Enrich, especially his mom. Because they are extremely involved and they love Nicholas. So maybe they were not expecting his reaction to, you know, them asking Henry and Nicholas to celebrate Agari for them. I mean, you can tell in the conversation that she kind of wanted them to say like, okay, let's do it. She kept saying like, oh, this person had it and this person had it. And people think that we're having one, but we are not. But we are fine. She kept saying we are fine. But that's what parents do when they truly want to be included. And they're trying, like, they are looking for that way for the kids to be the one to say, okay, we will do it for you. And that did not happen. Um, Yeah, that was a little dramatic. But um, that conversation continues when they go to Atlanta. That's where the wedding is. And we will get to that point later on. Um. There's a scene between Monica and Monica's dad that it kind of made me kind of cry a little bit because Monica's dad is telling her, like, like, why are you, you know, pushing your timeline because of him? Why are you not looking into see if he really want to settle down? And if you are ready and he's not, maybe it's time to start looking for, like, other people, like, don't wait, don't wait and, and like, miss in the opportunities to meet somebody out there, which makes her cry a little bit. 
And he also mentioned that Rich is in Vegas for a wedding with uh, his brother's girl, who's the one that started the rumor about uh, Rich cheating on Monica. So I'm still confused on why is Monica not being invited and why Monica is always being like ignored by Rich family when the one that started the rumors and is painting Rich as a cheater is the other girl. Please let me know because I don't get it. If you have a, an idea or an opinion, just go to Martini with Eddie on Twitter, on Instagram, because I want to listen to your opinions. I'm confused. 100%. Unless the parents believe what she's saying and they just like not caring enough. Because in a different position, I will say that they will take Monica's side to be like, hey, you know, we know that our son is not like that. We are so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, try their best to make her feel special. But mm -mm, no, nope, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't get it. We have a moment between Bali and her mom where she told Bali that it's time to pack it up, pack it up. They need their space. And you know how parents are whenever they want their kids out, they, they don't hold back. Um, it seems like Bali is trying to, you know, do what is best for her and you know, give time to the relationship between her and Amali to like get to that point where she doesn't feel like she's asking him for, you know, to move in because she doesn't have a place, which she said herself, like that's exactly what it is. But she doesn't want that to be the motive. And I totally get that. Because it doesn't matter how old are you, how old you are, or how many years you've been dating somebody. I mean, you don't want to force that moment of moving in because you have, um, like, a really strong reason to do it beside the love and the commitment. Imagine, you know, that you've been dating somebody and the conversation of moving in hasn't brought up just yet. But then you have to move out of your parents' house. And that's like, hey, can I move in with you? It doesn't feel right. And I'm 100% sure that Bali and Omali are in that place where they can easily move in together. But we will have to watch. We will have to see. That's what she said during my interview. Go watch it. Go listen to it podcast on my podcast or watch it on youtube um she was very clear if you want to know what happens you can just wait and watch the show you're gonna get so many answers on the show but if we move in together or not i mean that it will happen at the right time which i respect and talking about nicholas there was a moment that I almost cried watching. He called his aunt Terry. He said that his aunt Terry was like that person who he felt comfortable 
being himself with, even when he was 10 years old. Because he he heard how she would talk about her gay friends and how much she loved them. And the fact that he knew that she would be an ally. Obviously, he explained to the being an ally was not a concept that he had in mind when he was 10. But just the way that her aunt was acting made him feel comfortable around her, made him feel like, okay, I can be myself. So he asked her to be the one walking him down the aisle, which I think it was so amazing. Because as we know, Nicholas' parents don't want to be filmed. They are going to be part of the wedding, but they are not going to be on film. So it was not an option for them to be the ones walking him down the aisle. So I can see how that is part of the reasoning behind of his reaction. When, you know, Enrit's mom was asking for the guardian. Honestly, maybe a little confused. Maybe he's a little jealous of the fact that Henry has his family there, even though his family treat him as family. It must, it must hurt to know that somebody wants to be so involved, like his, like Henry's parents in their wedding, but then his parents, his own parents, don't seem to be kind of like 100% invested or 100% happy for him. They are not so interested that they were not filmed during the dinner when Enrit's parents meet them. Which has been a topic of this whole entire season. And even though we all knew that they were not going to be part of the conversation, I just wish we had like at least like a little footage or something. Maybe not of their faces because we got to respect people's privacy and whatever they want to do. But at least like, like, were they happy 100% to be there? They were welcoming. Obviously, we know that they were okay during the dinner because Enrich's parents were, you know, saying really great things about him. And then the gaudy conversation came up to be again. And it triggered Nicholas so much that he kind of like ended the conversation in a very like, he was upset. You can tell he was upset. I just cannot wait to watch their wedding because I know it's going to be amazing. You know that they have been working so hard for this and they deserve their happy ending. It's just a struggle. Any wedding is a problem when you are planning it. We all have issues planning a wedding, you know, um, making sure that both ideas are, you know, presented during the ceremony. Like people feel, so people can feel like they both uh, 
you know, the grooms or at the brides or the groom and the bride, whatever, um, their thoughts and plans and ideas about the wedding are, you know, perfectly mixed together. So the wedding looks like a place for the both of them and not just like one person planning. And I think that's why sometimes Nicholas is like, yeah, but like most of this wedding is like Indian traditions. Like, where are my traditions? And what I want for a wedding. So it could be hard. Like, it, it is hard as it is when two people from the same culture get married, let alone when two people from different cultures with different traditions get married. Like, that put another layer of stress because you got to make sure that both people involved are happy, you know? So that's, that's like the biggie. That's like the big one. And to end the, the conversation about family karma, I want to highlight one thing. Bali and her daughter, uh, Anushka, were on the episode and their chemistry, though, is amazing. Like, I loved, loved their confessionals. Um, I loved An- uh, Anushka way of, like, saying that her dress was like a bridesmaid from a low-budget wedding when she was talking about her confessional outfit. You can tell that they are both very fashionable people. To me, Bali is, like, the fashion girl of the show. Like, hands down. So when you see her daughter, you kind of understand, yeah, she got that from Bali. That love for fashion come from her mom. She's always, like, dressing amazing. Her dress from BravoCon, it was incredible. And now her confessional, like, she, amazing. I love Bali and her daughter. So I hope that we get to see them more, especially now when the wedding is coming to be. If you have any questions about... Uh, family karma let me know i'm here or if you want to leave your opinion you can go to martini with eddie on twitter and instagram because now we are heading to new jersey and let me tell you that premiere episode was a good start i would say kind of like like an a negative like a like not the a plus maybe like you know like an a I'm giving it an A because I like when an episode showcase all the housewives in different settings. You know, I love when the show doesn't like um, start with just like individual scenes. No, when we start the show, we have a few individual scenes and then group scenes. And how many group scenes we got on this first episode? Like, like 10. And I'm not exaggerating. It was like a group scene or at least like between two or three housewives talking. It was a lot. And we're going to talk about it. One of the stuff that I'm kind of annoyed, though, it's with the whole text argument. I don't know about you guys, but it seems to me that Melissa is quite upset with Teresa because she didn't reply to her text. After the reunion. A reunion that she made it a point to keep saying that she was kind of upset. Or like she felt like she wasn't being a family type of person. Because she was not part of the wedding party. But then she texts Teresa saying, oh, I don't care. It's fine. 
For those who pay attention to the online tweets, now we found out that the text messages were actually replied to in different ways. Um, it seems to me that Melissa was trying to have a moment and people online were like, hold on one second, we had receipts, we had the whole entire text thread. Um, no, Teresa replied to you, maybe not after that text, but it seems like um, there was some kind of like invitation to the to the birthday party and then, and then Melissa was complaining about that too so I'm trying to kind of like gather the information as why one person was so upset about not getting a text message about the the text during the reunion which I can only imagine that being in a reunion for like 10 hours and you've been arguing the last thing that you want to do is reply to somebody you were literally just arguing. So to me, the whole text shenanigans situation, it kind of like, I don't know. Like, it's a weird storyline. <laughs> like, we need, we need to do better right there. We need to do better. We need to do better. But uh, Melissa's also planning an 80s, Roller skating party, which, by the way, I kind of like the 80s. I don't like the dress code. I hate neon um, and all this stuff. But I do like roller skating, and I'm here for a theme party. So uh, they have this party, and that's when we get to meet, you know, the new housewife, you know, the Danielle and Raquel and the friend of Jennifer Fressler. I am obsessed with Danielle. I'm obsessed obsessed because I really love I really love a fun housewife a girl that just comes in and is just so happy to be there and is bubbly and you know has a family that has like a very cool like dynamic and you can tell that you know she she's just super extra and I love extra. I like extra because extra is good. Basic is too basic. And she's giving me like, you know, like all like like back in the day housewife vibes when all the housewives were like super over the top without being cringy. Like right now we get some housewives trying to do too much, but it doesn't feel like organic or like that's their personality like danielle it's pure jersey slash Staten island and i love that she described herself like she had the Staten island cojones and the sass and fun from the jersey girls because jersey girls are known to be fun that those are my girls i'm from jersey and i completely understand what Danielle is trying to say. And that's why I appreciate Danielle because I can see her as many, many of my friends that I grew up with. Like, that's, those are my friends. Like, bubbly, always ready to party, always, like, super happy and super sassy, too. So I'm here for Danielle. I'm interested. I'm invested. Like, the fact that she was... 
when I mean they had an event to take some photos um, for a calendar for charity. And she was telling her husband how to pose. Like, she's like, you got to put some water, like dump some water over your body. Uh, you know, you want to look sexy. Uh, she was making sure that her husband was looking fine so we can thirst over her husband. I'm here for the fun. I'm here for her. Also, uh, at this 80s party we see once again a weird interaction between um you know Teresa and, and Joe Gorga I'm 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 always I'm not a fan of Joe Gorga I'm gonna be honest because not because he's like married to Melissa and all this stuff like beside the point I'm not a fan of him because he's more of a housewife than Melissa herself and even though Jersey's, you know, kind of like premises, it's all about the family circle, it's still about the housewives. And Joe Gorga is the reason why some house husbands tried really hard to get some like camera time. He was the first house husband to like basically become like a storyline on his own. And I appreciate the whole thing, maybe like for one season, but like, like, dude, sit down. Like, you, you're not, you're not Joanne, you're not Joanna, you're not, uh, I don't know, whatever. You are Joey. Like, you're not, P you're not Patricia. You're Peter, kind of thing. You know, like, like, stay up, they stay out of women's business for God's sake. Like, stay out of women's business. If you want to have issues, go have issues with the house husbands, not with the housewives, especially your sister. Um, he can't stop talking about the fact that Melissa uh, is not part of Teresa's wedding party. What we don't, what most people don't understand is like, it's not like she's not being invited to the actual wedding. She is not part of the wedding party like a bridesmaid. And even though Melissa is married to her brother, I mean, I don't think that is recent enough to be somebody's bridesmaid. Usually people pick like their best friends or like the circle of friends. Or um, if you have a good relation with your own sister or something, that's what people choose. You, do, you just don't like, oh... Uh, you're my, my brother's uh, sister. You're already automatically involved. And not for nothing, both of them, Teresa and Melissa, has, have had a roller coaster of relationship. And most of the time, it's always downs and lows. They have maybe a couple of like, if, we, if you put the time that they've been in good term versus the time they've been fighting, it's like, one out of ten, meaning like one good time versus ten bad times. So I, I, I can see both sides a little bit. Like obviously maybe Melissa got hurt, got her feelings hurt because she thought she was gonna be part of uh, Teresa's wedding party because you know Gorga, Joe Gorga is like her brother and all this stuff. But I also can see you know Teresa be like, hey, we don't have 
a, a relationship here. We know how a deep relationship, you know. Sometimes, even though blood is thicker than water, that doesn't mean that you're closer to your own blood or the people your blood has married to. I mean, that's it's not difficult to understand. And the fact that we're still talking about Melissa versus Teresa on season 13 is quite exhausting, you guys. Like, I'm tired. Like, we need to move on from this. Like, we need... we Either one of them has to go or, or one of them has to be demoted or something because uh, it's, it's kind of the same storyline. But this time, I do appreciate that Teresa is like, hey, if you don't want to talk to me, I'm not going to... I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to feed your fire. I'm not going to get involved. You're going to fight with the wall. And I'm a hundred percent sure that this is happening because maybe Teresa realized that the more she engages with Melissa, uh, the more she becomes Melissa's like storyline. And I can see that. Let's see how this season goes between the two. There's there's supposed to be a lot of drama between them. And the closer the wedding gets, the nastiest like the nastier it gets. So we're gonna be here for a huge Melissa versus Teresa season. On the other side though, Melissa I mean Teresa invited Margaret to her house to have a conversation. If you guys listen to my, you know, exclusive, you know, tea that I got, the tea episode that I got from New Jersey a couple of weeks ago, because uh, I had the opportunity to watch this episode before the air, I, 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 I mentioned this. I mean, I'm surprised of the fact that Teresa was influenced. I think, I think, basically by Louise to, you know, like. Talk to Margaret. That conversation was a hot mess, though. Let's be honest. That did not end the way that we were expecting it to end. They, they, um, Margaret was trying to turn the table on Teresa when Teresa asked her to come over to apologize to her. I mean, not to her, but to Louise. You know, she was like, she said, like, I'm going to apologize to you, but you also need to acknowledge what you did. And she didn't acknowledge that part. She made sure that every time that she had the chance to uh, twist the conversation, to make Teresa feel like she was the one who was being, you know, a, you know, mean spirit or something like that or aggressive. Um, she, she got it. She got the opportunity to the point that... Um, she left that house thinking that, okay, I was invited here. She apologized to me. I am not on the wrong. But yes, I, I agree with you, Aaron. I think I think this um this moment between Teresa and Margaret was a first step in a in a in the right direction between them. I mean, do I believe Margaret and Teresa are going to be friends ever again? Absolutely not. They don't like each other. 
Um, but at least we know that they are trying to coexist as co-workers. And that's something that other housewives should learn to do. I'm looking at you, Salt Lake City, where everybody hates each other. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is a good step on the right direction. What um, what I think is even more interesting, though, is the fact that Margaret did not lose time to run to Melissa to let her know what it was said at this table, especially because, you know, we saw the conversation ending, like, they were laughing and they were having a good time. I guess everybody was just like, okay, we're fine. But Margaret being Margaret, she told Melissa um, at the photo shoot that she had a conversation with uh, Teresa, but Luis called her. Um, she said that Luis like called her like insecure and stuff like that. Obviously, Melissa did not like that. And she started, you know, freaking out and whatever. And I don't know. I think Lewis's point and what they were saying about Melissa is the fact that Melissa didn't have Teresa's back on the last season when people were trying to, you know, to create all this, like, um, drama around Lewis about his, you know, like, reputation and uh, the video, the fact that Margaret kept talking about it and and Teresa didn't want to talk about it anymore. And, you know, Melissa was hosting uh, hosting them all down the shore. And she texted Melissa asking her to please, like, back her up, you know, not have people talk about it. And she didn't. So that's where um, Louis said that about Melissa. So... I mean, there is, once again, there is some truth behind it, but it's all part of the game. It's all part of what they do to keep the story moving. It's just, it just got to the point where it's so calculated. Like, for example, Margaret, did she need to run to Melissa to tell her all this stuff? I don't think so, because the whole point was to move forward, and by going to to, to Melissa, it's... You know, planting the seed of like, you know, in the stir the pot, you know, between Teresa and Melissa, which is what she wants, you know. I mean, Margaret is trying to produce this whole thing and and obviously, obviously it's uh, it's working because we're going to see this like big fights between Teresa and Melissa down the road. Big fights like the Jennifer versus Dolores. I talk about this too. That was the fight that I was talking. I was surprised when I saw Dolores and Jennifer going at each other so hard, especially because I I didn't see that coming, you know. Uh, and Dolores was going hard on Jennifer 
before they met. You know, she was really talking, you know, to like Frankie and then to other people how she felt about Jennifer. And if it's all because of the reunion, it I mean, that was some hardcore feelings, you know. But Jennifer approached her, trying to have the conversation, and he ended in a huge blowout. They were calling each other's name. Uh, Jennifer said, once again, her iconic Mayor Webster, where you at, kind of moment. And that's that was so like hard it was it was it was it was not it was not fun to watch because i really like jennifer and dolores's you know friendship we had said this before i do believe that jennifer and dolores are friends with each other or friendly with each other because they both are friends with teresa i mean they're they're reasoning to be uh you know in good terms with each other is teresa but beside that they have been going back and forth sometimes during the reunion last season. Um, Jennifer definitely was not happy with Dolores because she didn't speak up for her when it was time to do so. So, yeah, that's that's where this fight is coming from, you know? Is it going to be an explosive the whole entire season or is it going to be a fight that's going to last two or three episodes? We will know that very soon. One thing that really made me laugh, like laugh out loud, was when Jackie was talking to Raquel and she told her, you're not looking at me. Well, you're not in like, well, you're not including me in the conversation. And I'm thinking to myself, and that's why you're not a full time housewife. Because you don't know how to, you know, demand attention in a room or you don't know how to like not demand it because that's what she was trying to do, but like command. That's the word, command attention. You don't have the star power. Literally a newbie was outshining you just because she wasn't looking at you during the conversation, you know? And Raquel is like, yeah, but there's so many people out here. There's so many moving parts. I, I, I like, can like just, I can just like looking at you. I can just be like looking at you, you know? Like, I'm sorry if you felt like not included, and that's why production was like, well, Jackie, you're not included as a full-time either. That was hysterical. I I noticed that immediately, and I was like, ooh. Jackie was demoted in that moment. In that moment, I felt like her contract expired. Expired. What is not expired is Vanderpump Rules. Which, by the way, the ratings were higher than some of the Housewives episodes. That's how high it was. It's like uh, a 800,000 plus, like 816,000, 820,000. And I'm happy for my VPR people because that is my favorite show on Bravo. Hands down. Like non-Housewives show. My favorite show that is a not that is not housewife related is VPR. And the drama that is, you know, the drama 
um, this season is going to be explosive. It's going to be like old school Vanderpump Rules. Because a lot of the characters, like the most like fun and kind of like, you know, petty and shady are single. Miss Lala is single. Katie is single. Um, and then we have uh, Tom Swartz is single-ish. So it's a lot of people being single in that show where everybody was like, you know, couple up for the past few seasons. So I'm expecting a lot, a lot of freaking, you know, drama from them. The episodes start with Katie and Tom Swartz, you know, like, talking about their their uh, divorce and, you know, the process, how they they went different ways and how they, you know, grow apart. They grew apart and that happens. I saw this relationship ending many, many seasons ago. I like both of them. I like both of them. Tom and Katie are both amazing people. But sometimes two amazing people are not, made for each other and that's the case of them i think tom swartz one he wants one thing katie wants another and people just people just grow apart that's what happened to them you know so they are co-parenting their dogs they're trying their best to be friends while separating and divorcing, which is not easy. Not easy at all. I can say that myself for personal experience. Because after my first divorce, I did not want to be friends with my ex. And the funniest part is, is um, back at Sir, Katie, Lala, and Ariana had like a little lunch. The girls having a good time. I love my girls. Man, Lala, Katie, and, and my queen, Ariana. She's, I adore Ariana. Um, are the show, to me, personally. The girls are the show. Obviously, Tom, 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 Tom Sandoval and Tom Swartz are, you know, iconic. The iconic part of Vanderpump uh, Rules. But my girls, my girls are the show. They were talking about how Katie's trying to be a really good friend with uh, Tom Swartz, right? And Ariana said in her confessional, like, she doesn't understand how this is going to work. You know, like, she thinks this is like, it's going to be difficult for them to do it in the long run. And if any of her exes call her booba, that's how uh, Swartz calls Katie. She will call the cops. And I'm here for that because it's true. I hope none of my exes call me by nicknames after we ended stuff, especially divorcing. Because it's not not, not happening. I'm here 100% with Ariana. Another new relationship that we noticed on this first episode is Raquel and Peter. But that was awkward, you guys. There was no chemistry. There's more chemistry between uh, water and oil. And they don't mix. 
none, no chemistry. And 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 I feel bad for Peter because Peter seems to be interested. Like he seems to be like excited to be dating this this girl. But Raquel is I don't know if she's acting awkward for the cameras, but that scene between them two was given really bad sex chemistry. Like I feel like Raquel was trying to walk away from this conversation as fast as she could. And she runs into James. James is dating this girl named Abby, who he says is the love of his life. Same thing that he told Raquel. Now this girl, a month after God you know, they break up and they ended the, the engagement. Now this girl is the is the new love of his life, which is fine. Girls like to know that they are somebody's love of their lives. But at the same time, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's okay to throw in the word love after like one month of dating. Like even if you are in love with the person, just don't say it. You just wait because... Uh, feelings are fresh on both sides. Like, feelings are super fresh. And if you say the L word before anybody else and you start telling people that you are in love with this person, you're going to look a fool if you break up right after, you know? So give yourself time. Give yourself time. But James, he has no idea of time. Like, no concept of it. Because after him running into Raquel, we got a scene where Lala is talking to him. And um, she asks him if they moved in together, which he replies yes. And I'm like, boy, slow down. You are giving like U-Haul vibes. Like you just go on a date with an U-Haul just to pack up her stuff and take it home. Right? Aaron says, Eric sent a message. He says, love after a month, run. Yes. Fast, fast, and faster. Like just run. Just run as fast as you can. I I do not believe that you'll be throwing the word love like like that you gotta wait i mean wait give, give the relationship time to evolve because that's how many people end up like in really bad relationship because they they said they they said they love each other in like a month and then they force themselves into being in the relationship because they think that that's the person that they need to be with and the fact that he I mean, they are living together already, like after a month. Like, let's take it easy. Let's take it easy. And James is drinking again. So while Kennedy is going to come out, it's going to come out, you know, that while Kennedy is going to start being dramatic and it's going to start being, you know, like feisty and, and and, and arguing with everybody because we've seen this before. When he was drinking in the past, 
Um, it was not cute to watch. It was exhausting at, at times. So I'm a little concerned because he's saying that he's only having like one drink or two, uh, that he knows how to manage it. But when you have an alcohol problem and you stop drinking because you are doing your steps, you know, to become sober. And after a few years of being sober, he was sober for like, I think like a year and a half, two years. Um, but, um, no, he, he, he's drinking now again, drinking again. Um, I honestly do not understand the process of, you know, somebody thinking, okay, I can manage my alcohol when you know the alcohol is your problem. And then. That's how shit hit the fan sometimes, you guys. I'm really happy, at least, that James seems happy. He seems like he's having a good time with his girlfriend. Um, she's playing, you know, his DJ gigs and all this stuff. That makes me happy for him because that's what he loves to do. He loves music. He's doing great. He's working uh, at Sir, you know, DJing and, 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 all, and doing all this stuff. Fantastic. But the whole drinking, I'm concerned because whenever Wild Kennedy comes out, it's going to be messy. It's going to be real messy. Another dynamic that is changing a little bit is between Lala and Swartz because Swartz decided to play pickleball, which, by the way, who the hell plays pickleball though? Like, what is this? I cannot believe that on last season we have this whole thing about pickleball, and I never knew that that was an actual thing. Now, obviously, I know it existed. I know what it is, but I never knew somebody that was so passionate about pickleball. So the fact that we start still talking about it because Randall. Um, I'm like, I don't even know. Pickable. So yeah, that's the reason why Lala is not talking to Swords because he decided to play a game with Pickable with Randall when, you know, Lala specifically said none of her friends to be involved or to have a friendship with this man who cheated on her and has the whole casting couch, you know, um, the whole casting couch drama and accusations. And we know the the news. We know the news. We read the news. We know exactly what happened. And I can see Lala's side. Obviously, she she is not. She shouldn't be asking people to to stop being friends with somebody, but I can see why she's doing it. These people, this is her circle of friends, which included Tom Swartz. But then he goes ahead and and decides to go and play with this guy while she is trying to win a custody battle. It's 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 a tricky situation. So I can see exactly why she was not happy with him and she was very upfront about it. I love Lala. Lala does not play games. Lala definitely it's a great Bravo Lab. She is amazing at 
at her confessionals. Like that confessional, her saying that James Kennedy is obsessed with a uh, a thin lipped bitch. That's what she called these girls. She said like first was um was Raquel, then Ali, and then she said like even I was a thin lip bitch when we started, you know, banging. You know? Um you know Lala is the type of girl that you know you either gonna really like or you're not gonna like. For those who haven't watched Vanderpump Rules, Lala is the type of girl that most people will not like if you meet a Lala in the real world because she is direct, she speaks her mind, but she has no filter in doing so. Like she's gonna she's gonna cuss you out. She's not gonna like sugarcoat anything, and that can be you know sometimes intimidating for some people. But I appreciate that about her. Because it's truly, you know, what makes her interesting, you know. I'm also happy that she's having her single life moment. She cannot stop talking about, you know, sex and banging guys and stuff like that. You know why? Have a good time because you were married to Randall. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm not going to... I'm not going to say anything about, everybody knows, Randall. So have fun. Go enjoy your life. You have a daughter who's beautiful, but you also have to be, you know, your own persona. You also have to have fun. And that's that's what Lala is doing. She's taking this opportunity to not settle down and just have fun. And good for her. Absolutely good for her. This episode, you guys, is the perfect setting for the whole entire season. If the season is like this first episode, it's going to be an explosive, amazing season. And so many people were saying, Vanderpump Rule is going to get canceled after last season because, oh, it's not the same. I'm like, of course it's not the same. They filmed last season during the pandemic. They couldn't go out. They had all these like events at people's houses in every single episode because restaurants were closed. Um, yeah. So now that finally we have all the restaurants open and everything is you know back to normal ish. We finally get to see them going out and having a good time and being the same messy gang that they were before the pandemic. And that's why this episode had such a high ratings because everybody was excited about this to see them back to their normal, like, you know, outings and going out, going to the club. And and even though, you know, they are dealing with, you know, more adult topics, you know, they they, they are dealing with, you know, divorces and scandals and you know tom and tom opening you know source and sandy's you know their own business you know they, they are adulting that's what i'm trying to say they are not you know swords waiters anymore they are not like the host in the front you know uh so they have a life on their own they do have something 
else to talk about. Not just getting drunk and being messy. Now they are drunk and can, can be messy while they're doing adult stuff. And I love that about them because it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, you can be in your late 30s, in your early 40s. You still can be fun. And I feel like a lot of the housewife shows have that problem. Have the problem that they forget that not everything has to be some heavy, dark drama. That you can also have fun and you know, and enjoy the time that you are filming because they all they only film for a few months. So I hope this season is dramatic, but it's also fun. That's all I want. That's why I love Vanderpump Rules. It's always fun. It has it remind me of how they were when they were waiters back in Sore. But now they have the same energy while being parents. Or while being married. Or while owning businesses. So for those who don't watch Vanderpump Rules, you should definitely go watch it. Like, it's one of those shows that even if you watch the first season and on, or you just decide to watch, like, hear episodes here and there, you will totally enjoy and fall in love with the cast. Give it a chance. It's a great show. And it did great on the ratings, so I highly doubt the VPR is going anywhere. So... Yes, you guys, that was an amazing premiere. So kudos to the whole entire cast. I'm ready for episode two. And to end the night, it's, oh my God, this is definitely a super-sized episode. I'm going to talk about Miami real quick. Real quick, because um, this episode Miami specifically, I feel like it was more like a fun episode. Kind of like the calm before the storm, you know, it's, it's not stormy yet. The drama is not there just yet. It was kind of like a fun part of the, the, the trip. So I want to I wanna say that I actually am enjoying Julia's witchcraft talk or whatever uh, botanic lady. Uh, she went to this like women in, and got some kind of like powders and herbs and and herbs and and like I don't know stuff the gift for the girls and like crystals and whatnot. And I'm thinking like Peacock, you better get your stuff together because my girl and Wicca Queen Carton from Beverly Hills, she lives in Miami. She's been living in Miami for a long time. So if you're gonna bring a witchcraft, you know, storyline, we need Carton back. And I think it would be the best way to introduce Carton back on the Housewife universe. Because I need her back. I need her back though. I need her back on Beverly Hills so she can uh continue um her is carrying um Kyle with like that was like the craziest stuff, guys. I don't know if you guys watch Beverly Hills season four, but allegedly <laughs> Uh, Cartoon put a spell on Kyle's computer and some words will pop in on the screen. That was like the best thing to me, you guys. I, I've been a Cartoon fan since season four. Uh, I love her. Uh, she deserved better. She deserved a second season. Obviously, she didn't get it because Kyle had way too many strings pulled behind the scene. 
So, but those who watch season four know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's why I think uh, if we're going to talk about like witchcraft and what's not on Miami, as might as well just bring her to the table because she lives in Miami. Marisol couldn't go to the to the trip, at least not from the beginning, because she got COVID. And she told Alexia that she thinks somebody's doing witchcraft on her, which kind of upset Julia because Julia felt like she is just trying to do a good gesture by getting gifts for the girls at this like botanic women or whatever. But she felt like they were trying to think to make it look like she's trying to do some kind of like bad energy or like like you know whatever eye the evil eye whatever on them. I think it's hysterical. I I I mean, do I believe in that stuff? Maybe. I don't I I don't say that it's not true though. I'm saying not everybody who says there is like a botanic or or a medium or one of those people are real. Do I believe that some people do have those um supernatural powers yes i do think that i do think that some people this uh you know have those gifts so i i i i i enjoyed that when they were trying to paint julia as this like witch hysterical hysterical uh free talk sent me a question about miami he's uh free talk said is Lisa Hodgson like broke now with the divorce? I mean, you mean broke as like no money, right? Well, Lisa Hodgson, I mean, I don't think she's broke. I don't think she has as much money as before, but I don't think she's broke. She's also dating now somebody who's like a millionaire, like a multimillionaire because the guy is a tech guy. He owns like a tech company. So she is probably doing just fine. But... I, I do believe that she, she has to have some money, especially from the divorce. I don't think that um, the, that gnome, that evil gnome named Lenny just didn't give her any money, especially because that's the mother of his, you know, kids. So um, I will look into it. I don't think she's broke, though. I do not think she's like broke, broke. Maybe she's not as rich anymore. <laughs> The um the Bahama trips that we are watching right now, it's it's the perfect sample of why I love Miami. We know for a fact that it's going to get dramatic. We've seen the trailers, we've seen the scenes, but on this episode, it seems like everybody's having a good time. Yeah, there's some shady moments. Like I mentioned before, Alexia calling uh, Julia almost like a witch or something like that. Um, like feeling that like she's she felt like 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 weird taking this gift because uh, she explained Alexia explained that when people go to those like botanic I don't know botanica whatever it calls people go for themselves like whenever they want to heal something on their own or you know cure their own illnesses but they don't go for somebody else so she was hoping that the the um. The reason why Julia went to her was for good intentions. We don't know. 
And then we also have like a great moment when they were playing uh, this like game. And there was a question about DP. No, there was a question to uh, uh, Adriana asking her about her porn search on Google. And she said that it was mainly DP, which, by the way, if you don't know what DP is, I'm not going to explain to you graphically, but just imagine two stuff going inside one part. (laughs) Two stuff going inside of one stuff. That's what a DP uh, is in a very PG uh, explanation. But the funniest part is, is that Julia had no idea what a DP was, and she kept asking the women, as the women is having different conversations, she's like, but can somebody tell me what's a DP? What is a DP? Girls, what is a DP? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, girl, pull out your phone and Google it. <laughs> it's that easy. Double the fun. <laughs> Double the fun. That's exactly what it is. Um... Another moment that I uh, I truly enjoyed was when um, Julia talked to Gertie about her adoption process. And I'm invested. I want Julia to adopt this, this kid. Because at the end of the day, if being a mother is so important to her, go and, and have a kid. I mean, she says she doesn't want to have a kid naturally. Obviously, she wants to adopt the kid. So if you have the means and you have the opportunity to, do, to, to save a life and provide, hey, why not? A lot of people online are saying that, oh, she, she just want a kid to fulfill an emptiness. I mean, that, isn't it that what parents do anyways? Like, oh, uh, Julia is having like empty uh, nest syndrome because all her kids are gone like to college and whatever and she wants this new kid just for to fulfill that space because probably has issue with her relationship with martina or something like that who cares if it works for them to keep the marriage together that's their prerogative i don't think that they're doing it for those reasons i do believe that maybe they just want to be parents and to provide for a new baby in the house. And if she's doing so because she has the money to do it, good for them. Good for them. I will never have a kid because I don't have the patience. I have anxiety. So having a kid will send me on a spiral of anxiety if the kid gets sick. Or if the kid uh, falls up the stairs or something like that. I do not want to deal with that. I would rather just stick to being the cool gay uncle who always brings the cool gift to the parties or is always uh, taking the kids to like the movie theaters, but I can send them back to their parents. That is what I'm doing for the world. I don't think the world needs me to have kids because um, no, 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 no. No, that's not happening. At the end of the episode, Adriana and Alexia are having a conversation, especially because they are both OGs and they do have a long story and they had 
a fallout this season that it was very apparent. I like them both. I actually like everybody on that cast, except Larsa. I'm not a big fan of Larsa and her braids. I'm sorry, that was not not a look. That was not cute. That was appropriation. I don't care what anyone says. She said that she, oh, there is different type of braids. There is there are different type of braids. I'm not a black person and not not a black woman, so I'm not gonna be talking on that topic because I don't think I have. Uh, the knowledge or the rights to be talking about this, but I, I'm very sure that Larsa was appropriating a little bit those braids from women, black women's culture. That's just my opinion. Um, so I don't think it's cute. Even 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 Gertie said um, that Larsa was ballsy for wearing them. And I think that was just a way of saying like she shouldn't be doing it. Read between the lines. Lars is the only one that I'm not a big fan of. Like I, I'm not a big fan of Larsa. Um, her monotone voice annoys the shit out of me. Like she tried to act like a Kardashian. And I'm not a fan of the Kardashian as it is. So she reminded me of like a sheen, low budget version of like Kim Kardashian. And maybe that's why I don't like her. Because if I wanted to like a Kardashian, I would like the original ones. The baby voice, the um, the forced um, kind of like monotone voice like this like i just don't like it but everything sounds the same i'm mad i'm happy i'm upset i'm excited and that's how they talk like it's so annoying so that same voice larsa has it so maybe that's why i'm not a big fan not a fan i know i'm going i'm talking too long about larsa like I'm repeating myself. It's just like an observation. And I think um, the fact that she she seems to always try to um, bring people down. Like she started with, with uh, Lisa. But obviously with the divorce that she's going through, she became a friend of her. Then she went after Julia. She went after Adriana. She has gone after Nicole. So it's like every single episode, there's a new person that she goes after. And it's given like, okay, so but what is your story? You know, Larsa Pippen. So uh, Adriana was saying like, hey, you know, we are OGs. Alexia, you're an OG, and, you know, Lars is an OG, and Marisol is an OG, and whenever, and Adriana has felt like when Alexia and and Marisol are together, they kind of single her out, and they don't make her feel welcome, and they were having a great connection and a great moment, and you can tell that they were making progress until he enters Marisol with a megaphone. I'm like, Marisol, didn't you just have 
COVID or what's happening here. I'm happy that she's there because I love Marisol. I think she is an awesome person to go on a trip. You know that she is messy in a fun way. You know that she's shady in a fun way. You know that she doesn't, you know, hide, that she likes to party, that she likes to drink. Um, she's been very upfront this season about a lot of stuff that even though I don't do, it's just it's just refreshing to see somebody that um somebody that actually like is not afraid to say anything and i agree with you aaron i think Lars's storyline this season specifically is to fight with nicole and the newbies that's right because jesus christ that argument with nicole i mean the fact that she brought up the whole um you know rumor that she was sleeping with the whole entire hospital like that was very low very low because Nicole is a doctor. She has fought really hard her whole entire life to get to the point where she's at. To come here, Larsa, whose only storyline that is memorable for the past two seasons is the fact that she sells uh, feet pictures on OnlyFans and allegedly makes $40,000 a month just by um, taking pictures of her moisturized feet, which I'm sorry, that I, I, that's not it. I don't buy that story. Once again, not even on sale or clearance. I do not buy the story. The fact that she's making that much money on OnlyFans just by showing fee. I mean, let, let, we, we are all adults here. We are grown-ups. We, we know what's happening. We know what the deal is. Um, so when Marisol enters the room, you know... They show Adri uh, Adriana and, and she seems upset because she was finally making progress with Alexia and he comes Marisol. And that's the end of it. That's the end of the episode. And I'm excited because we know that that episode that is coming up is going to be dramatic. We saw the trailer at the beginning and... It seems like Adriana mentions Frankie to Alexia, which I think is very low. Alexia is such a great mother. I mean, Alexia has made some comments this season and had said some stuff that I not I, I don't agree with, but I love, love, love Alexia. I'm an Alexia bro. Like I name us uh, team Alexia, Alexia bros. I'm all for Alexia broing. Um, Obviously, I can call out whenever a faith says something wrong. And she had said many things wrong this season. But she is a great mother. That's one thing that Alexia is. is a great mother, especially to Frankie. So, uh, and we saw it on this episode. She had a sit down with uh, the guy who is like Frankie's shadow. You know, the person in charge of making sure that Frankie has a, you know, build independence and stuff like that. And the conversation was great. You can tell that she really wants the best for him. So to see Adriana bring him up in a conversation that it doesn't sound like it was in a from a kind, uh, good place. I'm gonna wait until the, the episode airs before I make my opinion on it. But I I, I didn't like it. I I'm not a fan of that. Um, Especially Frankie should be out of the conversation, period. End of the story. He shouldn't be talked about. 
to start with because he's not even part of the um, the drama. It's like dragging somebody in just for the sake of it. So, besties, there you go. Super size episode. We talked about Potomac, Family Karma, New Jersey, Vanderpump Rules, Miami. And next week, we have um, Summer House. I love Summer House. Uh, I'm excited for this for this new season. And I love the gang. I I, I love this, this cast. So, uh, that will be... be added to to the recap next week we will have uh summer house we will have new jersey we'll have wonderful rules and miami to talk about we will not have potomac and family karma because of the super bowl but i'm definitely going to talk about the super bowl halftime even if for like five minutes so if you watch it if you like rihanna be ready because we will be talking about the super bowl for five minutes we're not going to get in depth um but Back to two episodes next week uh, for recaps and a special guest. And if you want to know all the tea about my trip to Charleston, the one that I just went, where I hang out with the Southern Charm, Southern Hospitality uh, cast, tune in tomorrow, Friday, 10th at 6 p.m. As you know, it will definitely be available after on YouTube and podcast. So this is the moment where I tell you, if you like this episode, if you got to this point, the end of it, please subscribe and rate my podcast because as a podcaster, that's how we survive. Your rates and your love and support. Also go and subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can watch the video version of all my podcasts. And you can also participate through the live chat because all my shows are recorded live. And all your comments and and your questions are read live. So please join the conversation by subscribing to to my YouTube channel and clicking on the bell so you get notified whenever I go live. And also, you know where to follow me. You got Instagram, you got TikTok, and Twitter. If you like the hot tea, the hottest one, and the one that happened right in the spot, go and follow me on Twitter. But you can also follow me on Instagram and TikTok, where you can find more and more tea and more martinis with Eddie. I also have my own website. It's martiniswitheddy.com. Thank you so much, you guys. This has been an amazing night and it's been an amazing week for us Bravoholics. I will see you all tomorrow. And you know what I always say at the end of this show. Bye, besties.